0: Hello and welcome to the Bite Size Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Phil Shirogi and today we are going to look at John the Baptist. He was the man who had the honor to baptize Jesus, the Son of God, our Savior, our Lord, the Messiah, I mean, Emmanuel... Elohim, there's so many beautiful names for him that don't even do him justice as far as who he is, but John the Baptist was the um, the one who was sort of the precursor to Jesus' beginnings of his earthly ministry anyway. So, we're going to look at all four Gospels, the account that um, we're going to actually start in Mark. We're going to move to Matthew, then we'll move on to Luke, and we'll finish up in the book of John. And again, we're going to look at just all four Gospels, how they present and speak about John the Baptist. And um, let's see what this incredibly awesome servant of God did. All right, and like I said, we are going to begin in the book of Mark, chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Quickly, that word gospel means uh, euangelion, euangelion would be the Greek Hebrew. Compare evangel, evangelize, evangelistic. In ancient Greece, euangelion designated the reward given for bringing good news. Later, it came to mean the good news itself. In the New Testament, the word includes both the promise of salvation and its fulfillment by the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ. Euangelion, also designates the written narratives of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So, quick background there on the word gospel. It's used many times. I say it all the time. So, there is the actual meaning according to um, Strong's Concordance. So, picking up in verse 2. As it was written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before your face. Who will prepare your way before you? The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Then all the land of Judea and those from Jerusalem went out to him. And were all baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. Couple of quick notes there. If you notice, John was in the wilderness. He was actually um, he made people come to him, and the reason he did that, it's believed, is because he wanted people to leave the world, leave all their cares behind, and come and experience this new this beginning of this new covenant which is baptism in water which we'll later later see what that signifies here and if you notice there in verse 4 it says John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins and that word remission there is aphēsis which means from femi. To send away, the word signifies a release from bondage or imprisonment, dismissal, sending away and forgiveness with the added quality of canceling out all judgment, punishment, obligation or debt. There's nowhere in the world you're going to find a greater offer than that. (laughs) Usually if we have a debt, if we have, you know, something that is owed to another person. They're going to want repayment in one form or another. It is very rare these days that you find a complete remission, but that's what God offers us through salvation through his son, Jesus Christ, complete remission of sins. So picking up at verse five, then all the land of Judea and those from Jerusalem went out to him and were all baptized by him in the Jordan river, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, There comes one after me who is mightier than I, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to stoop down and loose. I indeed baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. It came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And immediately coming up from the water, he saw the heavens parting and the spirit descending upon him like a dove. Then a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So that's Mark. Chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. Let's look at the notes down here in my uh, New King James, Spirit-Filled Life Bible. And the notes say, The gospel literally means good news and is concerned with Jesus, who is identified by name and title. The comparative as links the beginning of the gospel with the announcement of the prophets. Isaiah is the primary prophet who foretold the day of the Lord. Malachi builds upon Isaiah's prophecy, which had not yet been fulfilled. The prophetic promise is interpreted by Mark to be fulfilled in the ministry of John the Baptist, the messenger who paves the way for the Lord. Repentance is a prerequisite to baptism. So, the idea that a baby is baptized is absolutely ridiculous, considering the fact that a baby is innocent and absolutely, although it's born into sin, has not committed sin. And also, there is to be repentance. There is a godly order to everything, including, obviously, salvation. So the again, there without repentance, baptism is pointless. It's a, another false teaching of the Catholic Church. It's just complete backwards theology, and it's completely made up and man-made like everything else throughout Catholicism, which is why I completely reject it and speak against it so much, because it's nothing but another dead religion that mixes in Christianity. And just look at my look at my episode a little while back on Catholicism, and you'll see exactly what the roots of it are, the false teachings, and all of the just legalism that's involved with it that have no biblical basis whatsoever. And as I always say, without any true biblical rooting in the word of God, it's nothing but false teaching and lying and subjecting people to false um, beliefs and false hope. So reject false teachings, no matter how popular they are in the world. Picking up for the notes here at verse 5, The Greek tense translated went out suggests a continual exodus of the people of Judea extending over a period of time. Uh, And then the verse on note uh, note on verse six. uh, This is where it talks about John being clothed with camel's hair, leather belt, eating locusts and wild honey. The point of that is John's clothing and diet link him with Elijah. So again, Elijah being probably one of the greatest prophets in the entire Bible, if not the greatest, um, his, the supernatural, um, works that God did through Elijah were absolutely incredible. And Elijah was, um, you know, one of the few that actually, uh, never technically died, went up to be with the Lord and, you know, um, for john the baptist to be compared directly to elijah is very significant and which is why we're taking the time to look at john the baptist um because god put this on my heart a little while ago honestly and um this morning when i woke up uh my little verse of the day in my bible app was directly related to john the baptist which you know i saw as a little confirmation that it's maybe time for me to actually address this and speak on it which (laughs) i'm very happy to do excuse me so um Picking up at verse 7, and he preached saying, There comes one after me who is mightier than I, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to stoop down and loose. I indeed baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So John baptizes with water was symbolic. Only Jesus can baptize with the Holy Spirit. And only after his exaltation, following the ascension, Jesus connected John's prophecy with Pentecost, which is that day of Pentecost in the book of Acts. You can look it up. It's uh, Acts chapter one, verses five and eight is when the Holy Spirit first fell on the New Testament church. They saw signs and wonders. And from that moment on, we've been filled with the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit to live and preach the word of God and spread the gospel with boldness it's up to us do we again fill our cup afresh seek the lord seek constant renewing of the holy spirit and that's our power to live this life that we're called to it's impossible to live a christian life without being filled with the holy spirit sometimes there's evidence of tongues sometimes there is not we'll get into the whole speaking in tongues things at some point down the line but Emotional reaction has nothing to do and feeling have nothing to do with conscious choices and conscious prayers to God. He answers prayer when we request things such as being filled with the Holy Spirit. Every day I pray for God to fill me anew with the Holy Spirit. And he does. And he empowers me to walk the path that he's put in front of me like he does for everyone who asks him. It's simply goes back to you have not because you do not ask. If it's in line with the will of God, pray. He will bless you and he will fulfill his promise on his end. Picking up for the note at verse 9, Jesus was not baptized for his own sins because he was guiltless. His baptism gave approval to the ministry of John and was an act of dedication to his own ministry. In effect, he was identifying himself with the people he came to save. The Holy Spirit empowers Jesus for his ministry. The dove not only suggests gentleness and purity, but was also used as a sacrificial offering. The scene presents a picture of the character and manner of Jesus's redemptive ministry. Then finishing up with the note here on verse 11. Note. The inner bond between the Son of God and the Father, the heavenly voice speaks the combined words of psalm two seven in which God addresses the anointed King as his son, and isaiah chapter forty two verse one in which God addresses his servant in whom he delights, and upon whom he has put he has put his spirit thus. The Son of God will perform the ministry of the servant of God by the power of the Spirit. And it's pretty amazing when you think about that, because that very same Holy Spirit that filled Jesus when he was here in his earthly ministry is available to us at any time. All we have to do is ask the Lord. Lord, give me this power. And of course, he will give it to you because that is a good request. You are seeking to serve the Lord, be a servant, and it's pretty incredible. I mean, truly, Jesus was our ultimate example in obedience in all things, and like the the note said, he was guiltless, he was sinless, but his obedience was to set an example for us, and him, just just the mind-blowing reality of that. That that again, just the fact that the Son of God would take on flesh. A third of the Godhead would come down here to dwell amongst us, um, but to also be empowered by the Holy Spirit to perform His ministry. Because right after Jesus is baptized, that same Holy Spirit drives Him into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan for 40 days and 40 nights. That refinement, that that galvanizing of Jesus's ministry right there w- when he was tempted, it, I, I don't understand the spiritual implication of it. I'll definitely study it. We'll talk about it more in the future, but that's incredible to think about that, to um, think about Jesus. I, I mean, I've touched on him being tempted in the past, but there's a, there's some real significance to that that I feel like we could definitely dive into a little deeper at some point, as throughout the entire Bible. You know, the incredible thing about the Word of God is every time you read it, it's like a mirror. Every time you look into it, it's a little different. And every time we read it, we're at different stages in our life, and the Bible speaks to us in different ways at different times of our life. And, um, you know, the living Word of God, that's why it's so important all the time, whenever you can, daily. I'm telling you, your phones, we have apps on our phones. I have an app. I used to just, you know, (laughs) a lot of people use their phone when they're in the bathroom, for example. I used to just sit and flip through social media. But you know what? Social media is garbage. It's toxic. It's divisive. A majority of it is trash. And the fact that you can consciously just close out the world, (laughs) take those few minutes and actually just read a few verses or or just ask God to show you something um, or hop into a Bible plan and continue on reading that way. Again, there's so many resources and opportunities we have to get into the word of God. There's really no excuse except you making a conscious choice not to do that. And trust me, that conscious choice to avoid the word of God and avoid God it's going to lead to spiritual death eventually. You can only hold on and breathe for so long without having that lifeline to understanding God, His character. And again, I always say it what pleases Him and what displeases Him. I spent years asking God to show me Him, and I just totally neglected His Word. But you know what? Since I started getting into His Word, and I've been blessed tremendously. With the opportunity to just do this little series and just speak and learn along with everyone else just who God is, what he wants, and then study people like John, John the Baptist, and see examples from, you know, our past as to what God expects. So we're going to flip now to Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 to 17. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, "Repent, for the kingdom of God of heaven is at hand." That word, "repent," metaneo, metaneo, from meta, after, and neo, to think. Repentance is a decision that results in a change of mind, which in turn leads to a change of purpose and action. Quickly, there that act of repentance or that change of mind. When you change your mindset, it's amazing how you you can totally shift gears and shift your direction in life. Um, You know, when we shift our mindset, when we focus on Christ and focus on His purposes, everything else you know these worldly problems seem small and minuscule, and they are because they're not eternal; they're temporary. But God's purposes, his plan, his will, they're eternal. And when you shift your focus, again, we make conscious choices every day. And every little choice we make comprises what our life is now and will become in the future. So it's very important to make good choices at all times. Um, Choices, again, There's no little choice. This isn't legalism. I'm not talking about if you're caught up in, you know, thinking, you know, God wants to show you what underwear to wear today, that's that's a whole different thing. You need to really pray about that, repent, and realize that that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about making choices that have an impact on true, real life. And those choices are everything from a spouse to your career, to how you raise your children, to how you spend your money. Very important one here, how you spend your time. Because again, um, you know, we have a lot of free time available to us, believe it or not, especially now with all this COVID stuff going on with the quarantine. We have a lot of time at our hands. Turn off the TV Nothing wrong with taking in, a, you know, some entertainment here and there, but make your conscious choices, priorities, prioritize what's important to you. Do you want to invest your time in eternal things or do you want to invest your time in temporary entertainment? Believe me, I have my days, my hours I fill with the entertainment of each day, but I also have my times, my hours I fill with getting into the word of God and since I've made that conscious choice, I really, it's funny because you'll, you'll find yourself, if you're truly getting into the word and starting to get to know God, you want to open the Bible. You want to seek God when you have a chance because God interacts. Again, this is a reciprocal, this is a relationship. This isn't religion. This isn't, look, you get saved, you're saved. You get baptized, you're baptized. But this isn't about more salvation. God's grace is available to all people all the time. Just accept it. Forgiveness is accepted. These are free gifts from God. You can't earn them. So don't think that you're going to earn anything. You're not earning any brownie points with God. Getting into the word for this, this one example of, of a Christian life, getting into the word, for example, is an act of obedience that, and your flesh is going to fight you. You realize this, we have an ongoing battle through our entire lives with the flesh. We live in the flesh, although we are saved and spiritually we're filled with the Holy Spirit, you have a flesh that still has that sin nature. And, um, you know, the baptism, for example, we're going to see is a, is a symbol of us being cleansed from our sin. You know, sort of I, I mentioned the, the you know, Catholic baptism of babies. is supposed to, you know, baptize and cleanse them from original sin. Obviously, that's ridiculous because a baby has no idea what's going on when they're baptized under those rules in that ridiculous religion. But the point there is a spiritual significance when someone repents and chooses to get baptized and then that sin is washed away spiritually, and but we still have that nature to fight against, and that's why I say every little choice is important because you know you start making good choices towards how to spend your time, for example, um, being a wise steward of your finances, um, you know th- these all go hand in hand, and God'll teach you and show you where to put your time, where to put your resources, where to put anything he blesses us with. Because remember, God blesses us not only for ourselves, but so that we can bless others. So that's very important, an important principle to remember and realize too. Um, Everything that God shows us and, and teaches us, we can convey that to someone else or to some other part of life and, you know, have that benefit someone else or another group of people. So, um, Let's pick up here at, again, Matthew chapter 3, verse 3. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. Now John himself was clothed in camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem, all Judea and all the region around the Jordan went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. Quick note there again. I know I spoke about that when we were looking at Mark, but again, it just, it drives home the point of the, all the people going out to John, making that sacrifice, making that conscious effort and choice to go out and be baptized to hear him speak because John was an original he, he was setting the way for the Lord he was starting to preach this they, they knew the messiah was near this is you know this is um th- these people are looking for their savior and John was preaching the beginning the very early stages of the gospel which you know again ended up with baptism and, you know, ultimately him baptizing Jesus, which let's continue reading here in uh, verse seven of Matthew three. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance and do not think to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I whose sandals I am not worthy to carry he will baptize you with the holy spirit and fire his winnowing fan is in his hand and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire so quickly stop in there at verse 12 of Matthew 3 there's John the Baptist. <laughs> you talk about a precursor to the uh preaching of Jesus. I mean brood of vipers. He's just calling out the scribes and the pharisees the the um the Sadducees, the totally false religious people who were were complete phonies, complete hypocrites on the outside. They appeared to be holy and religious, but on on the inside, they were corrupt, rotten people. And we're actually going to look at the note now for those verses, because it's important just to quickly look at that. John uses the metaphor of snakes fleeing from a desert brush fire to depict the religious leader's posture before the wrath to come. Physical descent from from Abraham does not automatically place one in the kingdom of God. John's baptism is a type of the salvation experience of being baptized in the Spirit. As John's baptism placed the individual in the medium of water, so the baptism of Jesus places the Christian in the spirit, identifying him as bound over totally to the Lord. Fire either purifies or destroys. Hence, salvation in Jesus Christ will be purifying for the true Jews who accept him as Messiah and destructive for those who reject him. Picking up at verse 13 of Matthew 3, Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you are coming to me. But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then. He, John, allowed him, Jesus. When he, Jesus, had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Right there, awesomely, again, that's Jesus just being obedient, being our perfect example. And just a quick note. I mean, we talk, I spoke a second ago about how the people came from Judea and out to see John, as did Jesus. How amazing is it? Jesus came from Galilee and went all the way to John. Jesus, <laughs> this shows the character of Jesus. This shows, again, I mean, these traits go hand in hand. Meekness, humility, a bondservant a servant of God, being obedient. I mean, look, (laughs) you know, people these days with, with their power trips and their greed would have just called for them, hey, come here and do this for me. But Jesus being the perfect example and servant and loving God that he is, went out obediently and just like everyone else, asked John to baptize him. That travel through the wilderness to see John that's significant and it's just beautiful just to think of our Lord, our Savior, the goodness of our God. It's it breaks my heart when I see this world and how they reject the goodness and who God is. And it's important to just note these things. And also it's important because, you know, the church is in a real really stale state right now. And we need to realize how important what and special the gift is that we have. Um Don't ever take salvation or the blood of Jesus and the baptism of the Holy Spirit for granted. Um, And God the Father calls us, calls you out of this world, out of the world, not to be part of the world, not to fit in with the world. We're called by the Father, it says, out of this world through his son, Jesus Christ, and blessed with his Holy Spirit that beautiful Trinity, that triune relationship right there is just, it's really humbling and it's just a beautiful thing. It just really hits me sometimes. It's, it's, God is amazing. And I i will, it's an honor to just be able to read his word and speak about these things. So let's look at um, the notes for Matthew chapter 3, verses 14, 15, 16, and 17. I'm just going to read them all because it all flows. John's question arises from the apparent incongruity of the inferior one baptizing his superior. All righteousness. Jesus affirms both God's standard of righteousness and his own will to accomplish that standard in his life. He also gives approval to John's message of repentance and confession of sin as a necessity for entering the kingdom of heaven. Quickly, I'm gonna stop there because the idea of universalism is not only completely a false teaching, it's a complete slap in the face to Jesus. Think about this. If there was any other way to God the Father or into heaven, what would be the point of jesus coming here and dying and resurrecting i mean just knowing the true gospel compared to that false gospel it just it's so it's such a lie it's such a worldly ridiculous spiritualism type of new age whatever you want to call it mindset again if universalism was true then the death and resurrection of jesus christ would be pointless because there'd be other ways to Enter heaven and get in to the graces of God the Father. There are no other ways to the Father except through the one mediator, the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And to be baptized by the Holy Spirit, confessing sin, confessing our sin, repenting of our sin. A lot of these false teachers we just spoke about yesterday... In looking at the second coming of Christ and second Peter, a lot of those false teachers these days preach that exact message. There's people out there preaching today that you can die and go to hell and then eventually come out of that and be forgiven and then go to heaven. That is an absolute lie. There's no biblical base for it. Sure, it sounds good. It's nice and wishy-washy. It's kind of um, along the lines of Catholicism's lies. Um, These people who literally charge people money to try to buy their relatives out of hell or out of purgatory, which again, purgatory is a total made-up place. There's no such thing. The Bible's very clear. You die, and right away, you go to either Sheol to wait to be judged, or you're in the presence of Jesus. That's it. There's, there's no in-between, and it's here on earth is where we make that decision. So do not be fooled. Do not be deceived by these false teachers out there. Anyone who preaches another gospel is a liar, and do not believe it. It's life and death. Absolutely life and death. So picking up on the notes here for verses 16 and 17, the spirit anointed Jesus for his ministry. The dove symbolizes gentleness, innocence, and meekness, and it was offered in sacrifice. The gentle, innocent, and meek Jesus would be a sacrifice for sin. The words of the heavenly voice taken from Psalm 2-7, a royal psalm, and Isaiah 42-1, a servant song affirm that Jesus is King Messiah, is who is to carry out the mission of the servant. Amen. And um, we're just going to look real quickly here at this kingdom dynamics section for Matthew chapter three verses one and two, defining the hope terminology of the kingdom. The New Testament records 137 references to the kingdom. And over a hundred of these are during Jesus's ministry, as his entire teaching and approach as Messiah, the Savior King, center on this theme. To what does the kingdom refer? It refers to God's sovereign rule in the universe. He is the King of the heavens. But more specifically, here it refers to the entry of God's long-anticipated anointed one the prophesied Messiah, <clears throat> excuse me, the promised son of David, who would not only be the savior, deliverer, and king of Israel, but all of mankind. The Gentiles, or all nations, all flesh, were promised recipients of this hope. See Isaiah 9, 6, 7, 11, 10, and 45. Declaring the kingdom at hand, that is drawing near, John was announcing that the rule of God's king was about to overthrow the power and rule of all evil, both human and hellish. The kingdom was near because the king was here, and his presence introducing the power of the kingdom of God meant a new world of potential hope to mankind. Man would no more need to be held hostage to either the rule of death over mankind resultant from human sin and sinning, or the deadening rule of oppressive human systems, political or otherwise. Further, the kingdom of darkness would be confronted and the death, deprivation, disease, and destruction levied by satanic power would begin to be overthrown. As God's king, Jesus offers the blessing of God's rule now available to bring life to every human experience as well as deliverance from the dominance of either flesh or the devil. And then looking at the note here for verse chapter 3, verse 1, 2, and also 417, repentance, the message of the kingdom. The first call of the kingdom is to repentance. The implications of biblical repentance are threefold, renunciation and reversal, submission and teachability, and continual shapeability. There is no birth into the kingdom without hearing the call to salvation, renouncing one's sin, and turning from sin toward Christ the Savior. There is no growth in the kingdom without obedience to Jesus' commandments and a childlike responsiveness as a disciple of Jesus, yielding to the teaching of God's word. There is no lifelong increase of fruit as a citizen of the kingdom without a willingness to accept the Holy Spirit's correction and guidance. Quickly there, that note um, that Kingdom Dynamics says and turning from sin towards Christ the Savior. One time when I was reading this, God gave me this cool vision of just literally, um, you know, we're walking a path, and we're just walking our normal life. But when we get saved, we literally stop dead in our tracks, make a 180-degree turn, look at Jesus, and start walking a different path. That's essential, imperative stuff right there to understand because that is true repentance. Again, you, you know, you'll know, you see people um, may have been in a church at a time, may have been a believer at a time, but now they're falling away. They're backslidden, whatever it might be. They've fallen into sin. They have turned back to their old ways. As the Bible says, it's like a doll going back to eat their own vomit. So do not ever take salvation, God's grace, his forgiveness, don't ever take that for granted. Don't ever take the Holy Spirit that empowers us for granted either, because it is imperative that you turn away from sin. God would not ask us to do something. He will not equip us and empower us through the Holy Spirit to do. And by God's grace, we live this life of serving him, being bond servants. A life of servitude means you yield your own will to God and he leads you from that point on. (laughs) And trust me, there's no greater life to lead than that life in itself. That's going to conclude our part one look at John the Baptist. God bless and have a great day.